Hi, you're tuning in to the Thank You Enjoy podcast. I'm Allison. And I'm Ethan. And this is our podcast where we talk about Asian and Asian American culture and media, especially in Western media. We will also be sharing our analyses and personal thoughts on Asian American identity and diaspora. This is episode 0.5, where we'll introduce some key terms and how we personally code Asian American media. This episode is more like a prelude to the upcoming first episode where we will be talking about the film Tiger Tail specifically. But before we actually get to that first episode, Alice and I thought it'd be best that we kind of go over some key terminology that we will be using. And it's nothing too hard, but I thought we'd just go over it anyway. So um, Allison, are you ready to hear some of the categories that I have ready that I'll be referring to for Tiger Tail? Yes, and I want to make it clear that this is specifically Ethan Lee's way of categorizing <laughs> things. Like I was, I was not aware, but it is a very good way of analyzing things. So take it away, Ethan. Thank you, Allison. Um, and this is also what spawned the idea of this podcast. Allison and I were talking about film, and I came across this revelation about how I personally like to see certain Asian American cinema. So let's code some Asian American cinema. And the first, everything's a spectrum. And the first thing that I want to kind of cover is something I like to call present Asian American cinema, where the story isn't really impacted by a character's heritage, nor is the character's heritage ever mentioned or alluded to. So this is basically referring to an Asian American character being present, but not really at the forefront in, when it comes to identity or culture. So, uh, Allison, right off the top of your head, can you think of any films that kind of speak to you where the Asian American person is only present? I definitely feel like Cho Chang in Harry Potter. <laughs> She's just hanging out. And, yeah. and of course, the Patel twins, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no mention of the fact that Cho Chang is Chinese uh, based on her last name, Chang. And I know people have criticized uh, J.K. Rowling for right. naming Cho Chang the way that she's named because that's basically two surnames and one of them is a Korean surname but that's a different conversation right. um, but I do I, or I will say if I may cut in I, yeah. if I remember correctly in the fourth movie when they had the prom the Patel twins like did dress up in like traditional Indian garment yeah yeah um, but that's did. the extent that's like the extent of it I'm curious if the book actually details that. If anyone can contribute to that, let us know. Um, because I do want to know if the book actually detailed that. I don't know if J.K. Rowling did or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so other examples of people who are present, I'd say in the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man films, we have Ned, who's played by Jacob Italian. He's Filipino. And not once do they mention that he is Filipino, but it doesn't matter too much because it doesn't really impact the story. And sometimes that representation is enough that, you know, people are, are not necessarily tied to those cultures that define them. Uh, but it just so matters that we have someone who looks like us, right? Um, who looks Filipino, who looks darker skin as well. Um, another mention would be Star Trek, the TV series, as well as the uh, more recent films that portray Hikaru Sulu. In the TV show, he's portrayed by George Takei. And in the films, the more recent films, he's portrayed by John Cho. Now, I haven't finished the Star Trek original series, but I do know that in the films and the episodes I have watched from the Star Trek original series, um, Star Trek has been lauded for having a multi-ethnic cast, um, but there's not as much mention of their heritage or their identity or their identity politics, for example. So once again, 
Hikaru Sulu was like an Asian American icon in the 60s. Uh, all the Asian Americans wanted to watch Star Trek because of his presence, but not once did they really mention his culture. He's just there, if that all makes sense. Um, so that kind of covers what I define as present, that the Asian American is present in the story, but there's no exploration of the heritage, um, nothing mentioned or alluded. And that could be a good thing, that could be a bad thing. It just depends on how it's used. Now let's move on to the next coding that I have, which is subtle. The story isn't directly affected by a character's heritage, but the character is given a cultural identity that is alluded to throughout the film. I can think of a couple other films that I'd say fall under the subtle category. Uh, off the top of my head, one of the first ones I watched that I can remember is The Edge of Seventeen. Um, that one actually features a half-Asian lead, Haley Steinfeld. She's part Filipino. She's half-Asian? She is, yes. I, did not... actually, I don't know if she's half, but she's part. <laughs> I was I was like looking at that because I haven't seen the movie, but I I know that she is in the movie. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. who is Asian? Yeah, this movie. Well, she's not she's not actually Asian in the film, if that makes sense. Like, she actually right. is half part Filipino, but they don't mention that in the film. The reason I put it under subtle is that her love interest is actually like full Asian, and it's I'm blanking out on his name right now. I I hate myself for forgetting it, but. His last name is Zito. He was in um, The Good Place. He is the main love interest of The Edge of Seventeen. And his cultural identity is actually alluded to a couple of times. Um, well, there are scenes where Haley Steinfeld's character visits his house and he talks about how he's Korean and uh, how that kind of forms um, some of his identity. But it's not really impactful on the story too much. It's just more about her learning about him. Um, and it even extends into nonverbal behaviors too, because he's uh, the points of comedy is actually how he acts is that he kind of acts like the quiet Asian boy at school. And so it's like little things like that where it's the story isn't really directly affected by this heritage. If you took out the heritage, the story is pretty much the same, but it's still alluded to throughout the story to kind of add some more nuance to the representation. Other films that are like this, what I'd say are Searching, starring John Cho, where Searching tells a story about um, a guy basically looking for his daughter who seems to be missing. And it's John Cho is basically play, plays a Korean father. And they actually mention some of this heritage in little ways where the brother ends up calling John Cho asking for a kimchi recipe. And it's little details like that. Like the story is not directly affected by that, but it's still like a little detail that kind of adds some nuance to the representation. And more recently, I saw the half of it where there's straight up scenes featuring... Leah Lewis talking to her um, father, uh, her on-screen father, and they're speaking in Mandarin and and making dumplings together. And not not really a huge moment in the story because the grand story is kind of about like this love triangle. And but it still gives some nuance to the representation. So that kind of mm. touches on what I consider subtle because story it remains unchanged if you took out those references but the level of representation that you feel is a little bit heightened because of the fact that they paid attention to those details if that all makes sense <laughs> um let's go yeah, on to the next I coding or, I, would, I would just say like su subtle can be i don't know because I, I also watched the half of it and i do feel like her identity is important because like mm -hmm. her it's like her knowing english versus her father who just can't seem to pick it up and that seems ah, to be like okay. an important like that Aspect seemed character yeah and it seemed important to the storyline because because the reason why she 
thought about staying in that state to go to school was to be near her father and to help help her father. And that's then true, that's true. the like guy was like, no, like you should apply to schools elsewhere and like live your dreams. So ah, okay, okay. Yeah, so th- um, this is like a spectrum, sort of. Um, right. Nothing's going to be cookie-cutter fitting into these different categories. Um, and it all depends on interpretation. Uh, this is just kind of like my way of categorizing things and how I would personally categorize it. And now that you present this to me, um, I actually think, yeah, you're right, actually. The half of it could fall under a different category in that case. Um, mm-hmm. so that's a good point. Um, so this kind of leads us into the whole um, other part of the spectrum where we start talking about direct Asian-American cinema direct representation. The story is culturally specific and geared towards a culturally specific audience. It features culturally specific practices and plot points, um, and or plot points actually, uh, that may require some background cultural knowledge, but it strengthens the overall level of detail and perceived representation. So easy candidates for some of these, uh, what falls under direct would be like the farewell, where you have a Chinese American going to back to China to visit her grandma. And there you kind of bear witness all these different cultural practices. I recall when I went to the theater to watch The Farewell with my girlfriend, who's Filipino, um, and she had to ask me after the viewing what certain things meant because she actually didn't immediately get it. Um, things like in the cemetery scene where they're burning like different offerings and stuff like that. Uh, uh, after the uh, viewing, um, my girlfriend asked me, like, what was that all about? And I had to explain to her what that cultural practice was. Um, can you think of other films, Allison, that kind of, like, fall under the direct category? Um, yeah, our first episode, Tiger Tail. <laughs> There's quite a bit in Tiger Tail. I mean, it's a very specific Taiwanese story, right? You're right. Yeah, so, so that was, Yeah, 100%. definitely. Definitely. There's, a lot of the plot points are driven by those uh, cultural beliefs. Um, something else, another film would be The Big Sick, where uh, Kumail Nanjiani, it's like a semi-autobiographical account of Kumail Nanjiani first meeting Emily Gordon mm-hmm. and how he basically ran into a little bit of a strife or a conflict with his family because his family wanted him to date a Pakistani uh, woman and get married to a Pakistani woman. And he just didn't see the point in it. And he was like torn between finding his own interests and supporting his family's well-being and social harmony, right? So that was very much like an Asian American, very direct storyline where the plot is centered around his values and his identity. So yeah, I think that kind of covers what I wanted to list out for direct cinema. And uh, from there we go on to our last category, which is what I call global representation in Asian American cinema. And this is when the story is directly impacted by its Asian American characters and their heritage. But I think it's made to cater to a more loose westernized sense of what it means to be Asian to appeal to a broader market. So it's a little bit more commercial. Doesn't necessarily mean it's worse. It's just a different kind of approach to it. And the type of Asian that we see in these films doesn't really matter as long as we know that they are Asian and can appeal to as many Asian ethnicities as possible. Um, Allison, I'm gonna let you like list out some films that fall under this category because I think we have some opinions in them. Um, I definitely, you'll see later in the season, Crazy Rich <laughs> Asians is probably the best example. Right. It's, yeah. It's not, I don't know if I wanna say like it's completely stereotypical, but there are some elements. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it tries to cover as many bases as it can, at least, about the Asian American diaspora. There's mm -hmm. uh, multiple Asians that are featured in that film, multiple types of Asian ethnicities in that film. And because of that, I feel like maybe it's just trying to juggle all these different cultures. So it doesn't really take the time to dive into the different ethnicities. But all that matters is that all these guys are Asian, right? And right. so we therefore feel represented because all of these guys are part of the Asian American diaspora. And as long and that's kind of what's going to commercially sell, right? That's why Crazy Rich Asians did so well is because there was such a broad market because there are all these different Asians in here, right? Um, another film that would probably fall under this, I'd say, would be Always Be My Maybe, which was on Netflix, uh, added to Netflix just last year, starring Randall Park and Ali Wong. And there is mention of their different um, ethnicities, how um, Randall Park's character is Korean and how Ali Wong's character is pretty much, yeah, pretty much Chinese as well. Um, but they don't really dive too deep into like their specific ethnicities and there's no plot points that's really driven by their cultural beliefs. But what kind of matters in this case is that these are Asian Americans who have an Asian American upbringing in San Francisco and they're just trying to navigate this crazy ever-changing world while also being in love, I guess. So it's like this whole idea that, oh, they, these guys are Asian and it matters that they're Asian in this story, but it doesn't go f any deeper into that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that kind of covers pretty much how I wanted to code Asian American cinema. And I think these codings can actually apply to different types of media as well. And we'll go into that, but I wanted to get that terminology out there for sure. And uh, I know this later on, this will extend into music, how artists in different spaces represent different identities and all that. It's gonna apply to pretty much everything we talk about, but I think this will be some good prep work for our first episode. This episode of Thank You Enjoy was produced by Casey Lee, mixed by Ethan Lee, graphic and logo designed by Chris Kim, follow on Instagram at Chefamation, and music by Metalettis.